Welcome to another episode of Mike's Money Picks. Today on the podcast, we're going to be previewing the American Express Tournament, which is this week's stop on the PGA Tour. On this episode, we are going to kind of do a quick recap of the Sony Open and what went down in Hawaii this past weekend. And then we're going to be doing a course preview here for the American Express at PGA West. It's actually a three-course rotation. It's a little bit of a unique setup, so we will be breaking all that down for you uh, after the Sony Open recap. And then whether you are playing DFS, betting, one-and-done, player props, whatever, um, we've got you covered. We're going to be profiling a lot of golfers this week that I'm interested in and that I think are in good spots. Uh, and then at the very end, we will be given some one-and-done uh, preview for uh, this week also. So if you are here for DFS, one-and-done, uh, betting, you know, p- prize picks, player props, whatever, uh, you are in the right spot. We're going to be talking about everything and anything uh, having to do with the American Express Tournament this week. So... That is what ahead's that is what is ahead in this episode. If you are interested in other sports for DFS purposes or, you know, other fantasy season-long sports as well, make sure to check out the rest of the podcast feed. Uh, there will be NFL and college basketball content coming your way later on this week. And if you listen to this and you want to see who I officially pick for DFS this week, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. Uh, disclose all my DFS picks there. Last week, I actually had uh, Corey Connors and Hayden Buckley in the article um, for the picks. So, um, you know, not a, not a bad finish at all. Um, last week at the Sony Open. So um, make sure you check that out if you are interested. Also, make sure you follow me on Twitter at Mike's Money Picks, dropping extra stats and facts that I don't always get to here on the show, and I'm more than happy to answer any lineup or start sit questions. All right, so without further ado, let's go ahead and start this episode. Uh, we're going to recap the Sony Open first and then start talking about the American Express. But first, a quick word from our friends at Anchor. <laughs> All right, so the Sony Open, if you were watching a little bit of the broadcast uh, Sunday, which actually it kind of timed out perfectly, um, you know, watching the NFL playoffs all day on Sunday, the Sony Open was kind of winding down as the 4 p.m. game, the Giants and Vikings, was ending, and it ended before the start of the Bengals-Ravens game. So it actually was perfect timing that if you were trying to, you know, balance your football and your golf viewing it, you know, you really saw a lot of the good action from the Sony Open just in that small little time window. So, you know, we had Siwoo Kim coming up victorious, which really wasn't that much of a shocker. I mentioned him on the show last week um, without really investing too much in him, um, you know, because it was a great setup for Siwoo. It's a short course, par 70, um, required accuracy, peat die design. Like, just it's the type of courses that Siwoo excels at. And when Siwoo gets hot, he's really tough to beat. Uh, Hayden Buckley, I mentioned last week, he's, you know, just a super good driver of the golf ball, super accurate. Um, and it will not shock me to see him contend in tournaments for time to come. Now, in terms of a DFS um, breakdown of last week, it was really interesting because the top two options on the board, Tom Kim and Sung JM, both missed the cut. And they were actually the two of the highest owned golfers on the slate. So what you saw was a very low six out of six rate. A very small portion of lineups got all six of their golfers through the cut. I was actually in a 100-player contest on FanDuel that only had three lineups get all six golfers through the cut. I actually ended up coming second out of 100. Um, I actually lost to a five out of six because he had Buckley and Siwoo, but that's another story. Um, So what you saw last week is probably not going to happen this week. Um, Just It was kind of an anomaly last week how – the chalk players, the high-owned players, the you know best players in the field according to their skill levels, both missed the cut, and it just kind of gave us a little bit of a weird weekend for DFS. You probably had some five out of six lineups that were still able to cash for that reason, because you know, like I said, if you had them, it didn't really hurt you that 
they missed the cut because everybody that had one of them missed the cut. So, um, you know, just kind of a weird weekend. Anyway, let's dive into the preview for the American Express. So the American Express Tournament is at a complex known as PGA West and is a rotation of three courses. That is the PGA West Stadium Course, the Nicholas Tournament Course, and La Quinta Country Club. All three courses are par 72. All are shorter than PGA Tour average and all are easier than PGA Tour average. There is not a whole lot of trees. It's very much deserty golf as it's located in Palm Springs, California. All of these greens are predominantly Bermuda greens. There's like some kind of grass mixture that people are talking about that is kind of complex, but you just need to know they're very similar to Bermuda. And so everybody who excels at Bermuda is probably going to excel at these greens, even though they're, you know, they tend to be very slow here at this course. Um, now, one other thing that's interesting about this tournament is when you look at strokes gain numbers, it's only tracking from the stadium course. So that shot link data, um, everything you see with the lasers and, um, you know, kind of the exact approximations like on the hole by hole flyovers, um, those are only available at the stadium course. They are not available at La Quinta or the Nicholas tournament course. And in fact, really the TV cameras only go out to the stadium course. It's it kind of crappy on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Um, when players are playing at all three courses, the only action that you're going to see is at the stadium course, which like, it, it just kind of stinks if you're trying to follow like a cut line and you got a guy playing at the Nicholas tournament course and you can't see any of them on TV. It's not my favorite format. The fact that they don't send cameras out to all three courses. Anyway, what they do with those three courses is all three of them are used Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. And then there is a cut made after Saturday and then the final round is played at the stadium course. The Nicholas Tournament and La Quinta are not used on Sunday. So the stadium course is what you're going to see two rounds at. However, everybody is guaranteed one round at each course. Now, the stadium course itself is a peat die design. And little fun story about the stadium course, it was once considered too tough for PGA Tour pros, and they petitioned to get it removed from rotation in the 80s. And kind of there weren't really a whole lot of changes made to it. But just modern technology and, you know, driving distance changes allow these guys to, you know, kind of be more manageable with it. And the PGA Tour returned to this course in 2016 for this tournament. Now, the stadium course does feature two weird par fives. There's one where like a cart path comes straight across the fairway at about 350 yards. And if you were to bounce off that cart path, you'd probably go right into a water hazard. It's really poorly placed when you look at it. Um, just like watching it on the broadcast or looking at a hole by hole flyover. And then there's also like some super weird bunkering. One of the par fives has a bunker that's like 15 feet deep where like if I were to hit into that bunker, I'd be like, just card me a nine and I'm moving on to the next hole. Um, it just looks terrible to get out of. So um, one other thing to consider at this tournament is that it is a pro-am, which means that they're going to be longer rounds. Each pairing of pros is going to be paired with two amateurs. Now, the Pebble Beach Pro-Am is much more fun than this one. There's like, you know, more bigger name celebrities, athletes, broadcasters, actors. Uh, this one is not quite um, as star-studded of a Pro-Am. It's kind of like, oh, look, there's that guy from that one commercial or you know, just it's not like super celebrities, but it is going to create longer rounds like the Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So when you're looking for successful golfers here, I would definitely consider guys who have been successful at Pebble Beach because it's a different environment than playing your normal round of golf. It's going to be longer. You're going to have to, you know, kind of chum it up with two amateurs for four, five, six hours even. And so it's definitely a different environment, definitely a different um, type of tournament than, you know, you're used to. 
Now, one thing that this tournament has been criticized for is that it can turn into a putting contest. John Rahm uh, very much said so himself, um, which, in other words, is going to be a birdie fest, y'all. Everybody is going to be able to hit fairways. Everybody is going to be able to hit greens. And everybody is going to be able to reach most par fives in two shots. So what we want to do this week is we want to target golfers who can handle the course rotation, whose skills are robust. They excel at these type of tournaments. Their, their mental game is sharp. And we want guys that can get hot with the putter because if everybody's going to be able to give themselves 10-footers, we want the guys who have the ability to hit those 10-footers, which means that you know not necessarily we want the best putters consistently, but we want guys who can have individual weeks where they're really good with the putter and can cash in on those birdie opportunities. Now, the previous winners at this tournament is really, really odd. There was one favorite who won, and that was John Rahm in 2018. And other than that, it's been long shots. Siwoo Kim won in 2021 at 66 to 1, and Hudson Swafford won last year at 200 to 1. All of the winning scores of this tournament have been lower than minus 20, so it is really going to be a birdie fest. So, in terms of comp courses, in terms of the design, I would kind of compare it to TPC Scottsdale. Um, Scottsdale is a little more difficult, but the whole concept of desert golf, not a lot of trees, wide fairways, um, that is going to be kind of what stands out here. Like I said, Scottsdale's a little tougher with its layout. And then the TPC River Highlands Travelers Championship, which is in Connecticut. Um, I think that that one is basically more of a water hazard comparison. There's a lot of holes at PGA West where water is in play. And I think the TPC River Highlands is a little more difficult than this one also. Um, you know, it's a little bit tighter with the trees, but in terms of the same concept of, you know, you got to keep your ball out of water, you got to hit greens, you got to hit birdies, it's there. Now, a comp event, it's not necessarily a comp course, is the AT&T Pebble Beach Pro-Am. So um, if guys have done well at the Pebble Beach Pro-Am, I think it's not unreasonable to expect them to do well here at this Pro-Am. All right, so now that we know what type of golfers to talk about, let's go ahead and break down all of our options, starting with the top of the board. So at the top of the board on both major DFS sites, as well as uh, a whole lot of odds boards as well, sits John Rahm, which should not come as any shocker. He's one of the most talented golfers in the world, and he's won this event here in 2018. Uh, he also has a T6 and a T14 here, and he is coming off of a win at the Century Tournament of Champions. As critical as he has been in the past, caught on hot mics, talking about you know the format of this event and how he doesn't like the layout of the course, you know, he has good finishes here. And so he's at the top of the board for a reason. I have no problem deploying him in DFS formats. I think that the odds for him winning, like I said, it's not often that a favorite wins here, even though he was the favorite that won here. So uh, I'm probably would not be interested in betting him outright because of how small his number is, but definitely interested in deploying John Rahm in DFS contests. Now, Scotty Scheffler is second on the board, and he is a little bit more of a mixed bag here at this event. He has a T3, a T25, and a missed cut in three tries. Um, Scotty Scheffler is somebody who's super inconsistent with the putter, which is going to be you know, kind of detrimental this week. What we want to have happen this week is we want to have you know, consistently good four rounds with that putter um, to you know, be able to win this tournament. So somebody who's inconsistent, you know, Scheffler kind of has his good weeks and his bad weeks. If you catch him on a good week, he absolutely has the potential to win here. If you catch him on a bad week, it's probably going to be one of those 
T25 or missed cut like two of his poor performances here. Now, one good thing he has going for him is that he did win last year at TPC Scottsdale at the Waste Management Phoenix Open. And so that is one of our comp courses for this event. So I definitely could see Scotty Scheffler winning here. And I think he is a natural pivot off of John Rahm if you do not want to play John Rahm. However, I would personally prefer Tony Finau to Scotty Scheffler. Tony Finau has a T40, a T4, and a T14 here at the American Express. He's coming off of a win at Houston in November, and then seventh at the Hero World Challenge and at the Century Tournament of Champions. Those were his last three starts, a win, a seventh, and a seventh. That's pretty doggone good. And out of anybody, he is capable of getting scorching hot. We saw him last year win at the 3M Open and at the Rocket Mortgage, as well as at Houston in November. And the 3M Open is not a bad comparison to this. It's another TPC course, and it is um, another course with a lot of water hazards in play. So what you're going to look at is Tony Finau just... It would not shock me if Tony Finau got to like minus 28 and won this tournament by five shots because he has the ability to get hot like that. And so I would definitely be interested in playing him in DFS. I think he is a solid pick to win, and I don't think it's a bad week to pick Tony Finau in one-and-done contests for that reason. Patrick Cantlay is a guy who has great history here. He's got three tries, and they are two T9s and a runner-up. He actually set the course record at the stadium course in the fourth round in 2021. That was the year Siwoo Kim won, where Cantlay actually came out of nowhere and shot, I believe it was, a 59. And then everybody had to catch him <laughs> You know, later on during the day, and Siwoo Kim was able to do it. He was the only one that was able to do it. Now, Cantlay also has a great history in both Pro-Am events, this one and Pebble Beach, so I think he just really is good for this format, um, and I definitely think he's a solid play here. He also has great history at the Travelers Championship and at TPC Scottsdale. His last two tournaments were second at the Shriners and 16th at the Tournament of Champions. Uh, the Shriners is another desert golf course, so I think that could be you know a decent comp to this one. Um, I just I don't have enough good things to say about Patrick Cantlay. In DFS, I think it would be kind of a leverage play to start your lineup with Cantway, or I think it would be a super bold option to go with Rom Scheffler or Finau with Cantlay because what's going to happen is even if you get five out of six golfers through the cut this week you know making the cut only gets you one more round so you can be a little bit more risky with some of these guys near the bottom if it means that you can pay up for two of these big dogs here at the top I'm not opposed to that strategy at all this week so uh, I definitely think you can start your lineup with Cantlay. I definitely think you could put Cantlay as your second option. Now, I am a little concerned about Xander Shoffley. He has not played this event since 2017, and he missed the cut in both of his appearances. However, he does have great history at my comp courses, um, Scottsdale and TPC River Highlands. He won the Travelers last year. Uh, the back injury very much concerns me. He withdrew from the Tournament of Champions. Um, I just, I don't know, man. I'd... It's hard to get optimistic about playing Xander when that health issue is there. Um, so I'm probably out on Xander this week, personally. Sung J.M. is coming off the missed cut at the Sony Open last week, but he has four straight top 12 finishes at this course. No better than 10th, no worse than 12th. And honestly, that sounds like the whole career of Sung J.M. I feel like in every event, Sung J.M. comes in T12. Um, I feel like in every major, Sung J.M. comes in T12. Um, very much not... You know, somebody who has a whole lot of winning upside, but very much a guy who is going to get you those T12s. So um, if you want to deploy Sung Jam, I think that's kind of what you're going to end up with. Um, I don't think he has a whole lot of winning upside, but I also I, I kind of see him doing well at this event. This course sets up pretty well for him. Um, but, you know, if you want to play a guy who's going to win the golf tournament, that ain't Sung Jay. If you want to play a guy who's going to come in T12, that is Sung Jay. 
Now, Will Zalatoris is next on the board. He had a T6 here last year, and he had a T11 at the Tournament of Champions uh, last week, or not last week, last appearance, I should say. So it does appear that Will Zalatoris is finally back fully healthy, which is good. Um, there was a long time there where um, he was withdrawing or you know not playing because of health issues. So glad to see him back. And you talk about guys who can get hot with the putter. Well, Willie Z is generally terrible with short putts, but he can get really hot with short putts, which is when you see him contend at major championships like at the Masters or like at the PGA Championship last year. He has the capability for those spike weeks. So I definitely don't mind going to Will Zalatoris on DFS formats or uh, even in a one-and-done. I think this is a decent spot for Willie Z. Tom Kim is coming off of a missed cut at the Sony Open. And when he was an entirely different golfer, he missed the cut here in 2021. However, he fits the profile for a winner. He hits fairways, he hits greens, and he has the capability to get high with the putter. Remember the Wyndham where he was just rolling in like every single putt? It felt like, yeah, well, he could do that again here. The Wyndham was a Pete Dye design. The stadium course is a Pete Dye design. So uh, I think that the missed cut is going to keep people off of Tom Kim, which just kind of gives you a little bit more leverage that if you want to play Tom Kim, you're going to be able to do so. Um, without costing yourself a whole lot of leverage against the field. So I think this is a good spot for Tom Kim. I really do. I don't see him burning us in back-to-back -back weeks with a missed cut at the Sony and a missed cut here. Sam Burns is not a bad pick this week. You know, a lot of people call him Bermuda Burns because of how he only wins on Bermuda greens. And guess what type of greens the PGA West Stadium course has? That's right, Bermuda greens. So he has a T6, a T18, and a missed cut here, which is kind of a mixed bag in terms of finishes. But I think that he is one of the guys that's kind of going overlooked in this range. And I think that he is a guy that could be a value play um, in DFS formats this week. Going down the board a little bit more, Brian Harmon. I'm not going to get too deep in. He has great event history here and great recent form. But I just think his overall skill level, I, I think he's a little overpriced. If he were down in the high 8Ks near like an Andrew Putnam, uh, I would be more interested to play Brian Harmon. Siwoo Kim is coming off of a win at the Sony Open, and he has a win here in 2021. I mean, this kind of is another great spot for Siwoo, y'all. Like, you, you think about the courses that Siwoo has won at. They're short courses. They are largely P-Dye designs. They are Bermuda greens, and they're generally pretty easy. Guess what course I just described? The stadium course at PGA West. So uh, I think this is a great spot for Siwoo. Um, I know people don't like the back-to-back -back narrative, but you know that's nice and all until somebody does it like Tony Finau did last year at the 3M Open and at the Rocket Mortgage. So I don't see a reason to not play Siwoo because of that reason. Um, I just think this is a good spot, and so I'm definitely – you know, have no problem going back to Siwoo this week. Cam Young is a golfer that I play a lot in DFS formats because I think it's only a matter of time before he breaks through and gets a win. Now, his skill set is also very unique. Honestly, Cam Young, he's kind of like a, like a less quirky, smoother, more cool Bryson DeChambeau um, because he hits the ball very far, but he doesn't have like the funky, like, you know, just absolutely insane man swing but he still hits the ball as far as Bryson does. And he's shown the ability to do well in birdie fest. You know, he did well at the Rocket Mortgage. Uh, I'm not calling the Open at St. Andrews a birdie fest, but he did come in second at that tournament at minus 19. Um, so he's shown the capability that because of his distance, he's going to have closer approaches and he's going to be able to stick the ball closer and he's a good enough putter that he can 
you know, roll in six foot putts. So I have no problem going back to Cam Young. Now, when you look at his event history, he came in 40th here last year, but that was with a 77 on Sunday. He was really in contention the whole week until that 77 on Sunday. So I'm just willing to chalk that up as one bad round, and I have no problem going back to uh, Cameron Young here this week. All right, that does it for the top of the board. Let's go ahead and take a quick breather, and then we're going to break down some value plays for DFS formats. So for these value plays, I'm going to go through a little bit quicker because there are a lot that I like, and this is such a weird event. Like, There's a lot of guys that are genuinely in play this week because of the uniqueness of the format and the uniqueness of you know the course rotation. So uh, Andrew Putnam is a guy that I like a lot. He's played here five years in a row. His best finish is 10th, and his worst finish is 34th. He's coming off of a T4 at the Sony, and I kind of think this is a good spot for Andrew Putnam. I mentioned how it's a good spot for Tom Kim. Well, Andrew Putnam and Tom Kim tend to play well at the same courses, so I think that this is a good spot for Andrew Putnam. He is statistically one of the best putters on planet Earth. So in an event that turns into a putting contest, why not get a guy who's already one of the best putters out there? So I think that Andrew Putnam is definitely worth a look in DFS this week. I think he has a lot of winning upside as well. Sahith Tagawa is a super boom or bust candidate. Uh, the good news about playing him in DFS this week is that you're going to get three rounds from him guaranteed. Um, he came in 33rd here last season, so he did make the cut and did, you know, that's a decent performance out of Scythe. Now, one thing that I do like about Scythe is that he was runner-up at both of my comp courses last season. He probably should have won both of those events also. He came in runner-up at TBC Scottsdale and runner-up at the Travelers at the TPC River Highlands. So he's done well at the comp courses, 33rd here last season. We know he's a guy who can get hot. I have no problem deploying Scythe Tagawa this week. Tom Hoagie is also a guy that I like a lot. He was a runner-up here last year, and he was sixth here in 2020. And we talk about the uniqueness of the Pro-Am format. Well, Tom Kim won the Pebble Beach Pro-Am last year, so uh, definitely a good spot for Tom Hoagie. He's a guy who is really good on approach, and so in an event like this, when you're good on approach, you're going to give yourself shorter putts than the rest of the field. And, y'all, I'm no rocket scientist, but it's easier to make shorter putts. So I definitely think this is a good spot for Tom Hoagie. If you are somebody who prioritizes course history, Adam Hadwin is your course history guy for the week. And he has a large sample size for this too. He has four top six finishes and he has never missed a cut at this event. Um, just, I have no problem going to him for that reason, right? Like he just, it's a good spot for Adam Hadwin and he tends to do well at this event. He must understand the format. He must be good with the course rotation. Um, and so definitely a very good spot to play Adam Hadwin in. JT Poston is interesting to me because um, I mentioned all these kind of cross-golfer comparisons a lot, like Roy McIlroy and Keith Mitchell play well at the same courses. Tom Kim and Andrew Putnam play well at the same courses. Well, JT Poston and Siwoo Kim play at the same courses. So Siwoo Kim has a win here. So JT Poston has a T7 here. Like, I, I see this being a good spot for JT Poston, and he has three straight 21st place finishes in terms of recent form. So I definitely have no problem going back to JT Poston. Jason Day has a great history of Pebble Beach Pro-Ams, and we know over the course of his career that he has the capability to get hot with the putter. And I think that in the fall, we started to see that again. We started to see prime Jason Day again in the fall, and then he had the miscut at the RSM and kind of just, you know, ended that really good run that he had. But he's taking a long time off, and I think that this, you know, this format, this 
course, this event, I think that this is a good spot for Jason Day. Came in 49th here last season, which is not the best, but I think he's playing much better golf right now than he was this time last year. I don't think there's any health issues right now for Jason Day, which is not something that you can say all the time. So I definitely think that this would be a good week to go to Jason Day in DFS formats. I think he's got some legitimate winning upside, and I definitely think that for one and done, I can't see another situation where I would want to use Jason Day, so I think this is a good spot. Now, the 7K range after Jason Day kind of has guys who fit into one bucket or another. No one who really has all of the traits that we're looking for for this tournament. Denny McCarthy is one of the best putters on planet Earth, which gives him a head start in this tournament. But in terms of his event history here, he has a T6 and he has three missed cuts. So, you know, it's kind of very boomer bust there. Uh, his recent form is just okay. It's not enough to make me, like, say to go all in on Denny McCarthy this week. But like I said, it's a putting contest. So if you want to give yourself a head start and get one of the best putters on planet Earth, Denny McCarthy is one of those guys. Patrick Rogers was playing great golf in the fall, but has not finished better than 40th at this course. Lee Hodges came in third place here last year, but he ended the fall with two missed cuts. So I'm a little concerned about his recent form, but the third last year is a positive sign. David Lipsky might be the best of both worlds. He had a T4 last week at the Sony, so he's got some decent recent form coming in. And he had a T14 here in his only start at this tournament. So you're kind of getting, you know, a little bit of recent form, a little bit of course history. I think he's a solid fit for this course too. He's a guy who is actually American, but played predominantly on the DP World Tour for a while. So he's very well-traveled in terms of golf courses. I don't think that he's going to be very phased by seeing three different courses, and I don't think that he can be phased by any course layout that he's going to see. Now, this one's kind of funny. I think there's some common names out there that, that I like this week. There is the Taylors. Um, last name Taylor, Ben and Nick. Ben Taylor and Nick Taylor, both coming in with very good recent form. Um, and then speaking of Ben Taylor, I also really like the Bens this week. Ben Taylor and Ben Griffin are playing great golf as of late. There's one more Ben, Ben Martin, who is really down the board on DraftKings at FanDuel, who's actually in a group of three players under $8,000 on DraftKings who have not missed the cut here in their last three appearances. So I'll say that again. Ben Martin down there, way down the board at $6,500 on DraftKings, has not missed the cut in his last three appearances at this tournament, along with Sam Ryder and Harris English. So I have no problem deploying any of the Taylors or any of the Bens this week here on DraftKings. Now, Callum Tarrant and Matthew Neesmith are both high upside plays. Um, they're both guys who have the capability to get hot. We saw it with Callum Tarrant at the RSM, and we saw it with Matthew Neesmith at the Shriners. Um, both of these guys have the ability to go low. Um, I definitely think that when you're looking down here at the board in, ter in terms of a lack of course history with a lot of these guys, these two guys are probably the two with some of the most winning upside, some of the most top 10 upside um, way down the board. In terms of a course fit, I kind of like Carl Yuan. He's coming off of a T21 at the Sony, and he's really good on approach. He has the potential to hit the ball really close to the hole with his approach shots, which is going to put you at a head start for this event because like I've mentioned you know, with a few of the guys so far, this is a birdie fest. This is a putting contest. So you're either going to give yourself a head start by guys who are really good with the putter, by guys who are driving it really close to give them really close approach shots, or like Carl Yuan does, guys who can put the ball really close on approach so that they're putting the ball less distances. So those are the three ways you can kind of give yourself an advantage this week. And I think Carl Yuan is definitely one who gives himself that advantage on approach. Now in the 6K range on DraftKings, 
Lucas Glover has really good history here. Um, I believe he has a win here, which is always a good sign. Uh, and then Harry Hall is a name to look out for. He is a desert golf specialist. I actually mentioned him on the Shriners podcast episode, uh, and he came in 15th at that tournament. So if you're leaning into, oh, this is desert golf, not a lot of trees, you know, not a lot of missed fairways, not a lot of missed greens, Harry Hall is a name to remember and have no problem going to in terms of value play on FanDuel or DraftKings. Like I said, I'm more willing to give some of these guys that are way down the board a shot this week because of the fact that you're getting three rounds out of them, even if they miss the cut. So, like, you can get a decent fantasy performance out of some of these guys. And, you know, we always talk about in fantasy, birdie bogey is better than par par. So, if you get a guy who's erratic and, you know, goes six under and misses the cut, but he has, like, ten birdies, that's not going to be a bad fantasy performance by any means. All right, so that is it for the DFS talk. We're going to now do a quick one-and-done breakdown um, and then um, wrap up the episode. So, let's take a quick breather, and then we're going to talk one-and-done. All right, so talking about one-and-done strategy. Uh, To me, this week, your aggressiveness should be dependent on your position after week one. Um, This is not an elevated event. So if your one-and-done does um, cash prizes, which a lot of them do, this is not an event that's going to feature some of the biggest cash prizes. So I'm probably going to be staying away from the very tip-top of the board at this event because of that and saving the ROMs and the Finals and... um, the Schefflers of the world for a bigger event. Um, now, I, I would expect Patrick Cantlay to be popular just because of his event history here, and I would expect Siwoo to be popular because of his history here also. Now, like I said, how aggressive you go should be dependent on your position. Uh, in our one-and-done, um, one of my buddies, Zach, actually picked Siwoo Kim last week, and so he is at a massive head start from the rest of us because of that pick. Um you know, a lot of people were on Tom Kim last week. So if you were on Tom Kim and you have $0, remember, you don't have to catch it all up this week. There's 30 more tournaments on the schedule. So you don't have to recover from that one missed cut this week and, you know, be super aggressive. However, um, if you did pick a Tom Kim or a Sung JM last week, I would probably say to go for somebody who's going to be lower owned but has winning upside. Um, and so, you know, depending on how big your one and done is, maybe that's Siwoo Kim. Um an option that I would say is Cam Davis. Cam Davis came in third two years ago when Siwoo Kim won. Cam Davis has done well in his career in birdie fests. And call me crazy, but I probably don't see myself wanting to pick Cam Davis again this season. So Cam Davis, I think, is a really solid option for a one-and-done. Andrew Putnam, I think, is a good spot for a one-and-done. He's got the recent form. He's a great fit for the course. He's got good event history here. I, I can't say enough good things about Andrew Putnam. And then if you're a course history guy, Adam Hadwin is that guy. Um, I don't think he will be very highly owned. And again, much like I said about Cam Davis, I don't see him being a guy that you're going to want to use again. And then if you're looking to go really wild, Jason Day has some legitimate upside to me this week. Uh, You know, he's done well in pro-ams. He has the ability to get hot with the putter. Um, I think this is a really interesting spot that you could go all the way down the board to Jason Day and be all right. So... Last week for me, the two that I mentioned specifically were Russell Henley and Corey Connors. I'm actually in two one-and-done contests, and those were my two picks. You know, Corey Connors was a little better than Henley, um, but, you know, both made the cut. Both got me on the board. Both were better than if I'd picked Tom Kim or Sung J.M. So this week, I think the two that I'm probably going to be highlighting um, 
I really like Cam Davis. And so I'm probably going to be going with Cam Davis in one of them and Andrew Putnam for the other one. I really do like Andrew Putnam's fit for this course, and I really do like his course history also. So um, like I said, not an elevated event, so I'm not interested in burning Rom or Scheffler or Finau here, regardless of you know how good their course history is and how good their skill level is. However, if I was front running, if I'd picked Siwoo or if I'd picked Hayden Buckley or Andrew Putnam last week, I might be inclined to go Patrick Cantlay. You know, having the course record at the stadium course and that ability to just go nuclear um, would really be a benefit and allow you to kind of keep ahead of the pack if you pick Patrick Cantlay. He might not win, but I think that Patrick Cantlay is probably the most likely golfer outside of Raman Sheffler to finish in the top 10. All right, so that does it for the one-and-done preview, guys, and that does it for this preview of the American Express Tournament. So hopefully gave you guys a lot of names to look out for when building your DFS lineups this week or making your one-and-done selection or doing player props or outright betting. So um, those are all the golfers that I'm interested in this week. I'm probably not going outside of any golfer that I mentioned in this episode. If you want to see my full DFS picks, head on over to the Patreon, patreon.com slash Mike's Money Picks. And make sure you rate and subscribe to the podcast. Got more content coming your way from NFL and college basketball. All right, that does it for this episode, guys. Best of luck to you in all your DFS endeavors. Thank you guys for listening, and I will see you next week.